The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. If you like my show, you're going to love Under Review on Podcast One, presented by Bet Online. Get the odds, news, and insights from real industry insiders. This isn't your typical schlocky picks show. Get the real trends and info with your host, Damon D. Download new episodes of Under Review presented by Bet Online every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Mike Renner. We are live on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. We said we had to do it live, Mike. We got to get the reaction out as quickly yeah. as we can. We'll do it live. For the draft. You ready to go, man? I am more than ready. We're going AFC. We're gonna go we're gonna go through every draft. AFC today, NFC tomorrow. Yep. That work? How was your draft weekend? It was great. Did you enjoy it? Your birthday? It was a lot of talking. I have talked a lot this you weekend. Have. Probably more than maybe any weekend of my life. But and, and if you're asking for Sam, right? A lot of people have been asking for Sam on the podcast. Not because they don't like you, but because they mm-hmm. like him. Um, he's got no shot. He lost his voice. Yes. He did not survive like we did. Um, we probably weren't going to put him on it anyway, but that's... Yeah, he was going to pump up Iman Marshall and how good that pick was. The wrong guys. We were going to have to, yeah. We are going to have to shut that down. All right. So, yeah, it was a lot of talking, a lot of recap. Did you have fun on your birthday on Saturday? I after? did. I had a good time. Okay, great. Awesome. That's all that matters. Okay, so we're going to go team by team here. We're going team by team on the YouTube channel. Our draft grades are already up at ProFootballFocus.com. Just had to get all that out there if you guys want more. I know everybody's just trying to consume everything they can on their team, and we've got stuff in multiple places. We're going to go through the AFC. Let's start with the Buffalo Bills. We'll start with AFC East. We'll go east to west. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills and their draft. What are your – start with some high-level thoughts on the Bills draft, which we said was about above average-ish. Yeah. I think you have to be happy with your first two picks. You addressed – Probably one of the biggest needs defensively in terms of Ed Oliver, a pass rusher on the interior, gets you some interior disruption. And then Cody Ford, a guy who we had as a first-round type of player, probably going to slot in at guard. Uh, but to get him at 38th overall, is it's been a lot better than you'll do like in years past. I think to get a starting caliber offensive lineman at the top of the second round that we feel really good about, is it's just good value. He obviously went running back in the third round when... 
they've been stockpiling running backs in the draft. I'm not sure it's right. necessarily the best place to go. There are a lot of other options there. I would have loved to have seen them go someone like Julian Love there instead of Devin Singletary with a cornerback. That would have been a nice great fit, fit yeah. for that defense. And I think they could have added some to that back end. Got you a really dominant defense. I'm not sure Devin Singletary is really moving the needle. Only six catches last year. I don't think that's really... And going have, to add much for Josh Allen, unfortunately, but and they have a bunch of running backs on the depth chart now. Yeah, they just that T.J. Yeldon, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. I get that you want to get younger at the position, but got a Singletary again. They are adding a bunch of small guys for Josh Allen to throw to. Like Singletary's catch radius has to be zilch. Like he's five Hopefully six. Allen can hit him at least on screens. I don't mind the Dawson Knox pick. By the way, just just as a as a general rule. A bunch of teams got two, at least two, PFF, call them top 32 players. They're not all, yeah, first round mm-hmm. caliber players on our draft board in this particular draft. So those, those drafts overall we're going to like. Yeah. But obviously, there's, there's probably other parts of this Bills draft to get it to that top notch, excellent range we would have liked. Maybe a better pick at 74, like you said, or mm-hmm. instead of Singletary. The good part about Singletary is he knows how to make guys miss. He's been yeah. spectacular at that the last couple of years. But I still think it is a very. A good draft. When you come away with two guys that we really think are plug-and-play type of starters, uh, like the Bills did. Now, Ed Oliver might not be immediate impact right away. Year one, he might not be that guy right out the gate. But I think he is a developmental in time, will be that for your defense. And now you have the makings of you know, a defense that can stay long-term very good in terms of... You don't just have the... Your window continues now the more talent you add to that defense. Yeah, Ed Oliver still needs some work, has all that incredible uh, explosion, movement skills, needs some work still mm-hmm. from a technique standpoint as a pass rusher. I think in that scheme, though, he could be uh, a, just a disruptor in the run game immediately. Yes. And then Cody Ford, we'd said, you know, he could play him a tackle. He'd probably start at guard, yeah, I think, right for guard. the Bills right away. And then, uh, you know, eventually if they do... Uh, have that have a hole at right tackle in, in a year or two. That I kind of like how in. they've revamped this offensive line. Uh, they spent a, a lot of money, but Agreed. there wasn't a lot of guys to really necessarily get. But the Ty Inseki signing paired with Cody Ford, all of a sudden, uh, and the Quentin Spain signing, like you have three solid players there that didn't cost you much investment. And then Mitch Morse, who we also liked, and then uh, they did pay a lot for him. But now your four positions are going to be different across that offensive line this season. Any of the day three guys? So I mentioned Dawson Knox. Adding some speed at tight end. I'm good with that. He has some developing to do as a pass catcher. But day three, Voshan Joseph. Voshan Joseph pick I like. Yeah. Uh, because there's obviously things to work with. He probably should not have realistically come out this past season. He, you know, Only a junior. If he would have come back and showed some improvement on tape, he could have vaulted himself into the second round, third round of next year's draft. But you add athleticism to a linebacking core that already had basically a defense that loves athleticism in that middle of the field at their linebacking core. So uh, basically a, probably going to be a backup for, to some degree right now, but teams will still need three linebackers in certain situations in the NFL today. So overall, not a bad draft by the Buffalo Bills. Bills fans yelling at me because I kept giving them Byron Murphy. I don't care. I didn't predict it. I said <laughs> I just would have loved that fit. Still would have. All right, let's move on to the New York Jets and their draft. What do we give it? Above average for them, too, because, again, a lot of this is based off of when you picked and, and yeah. what the process was like and all that stuff. They were a little limited with the Sam Darnold trade. Would have loved to see them trade down. By all accounts, they were trying, but they uh, they were unable to trade down from three. Mm-hmm. And if you're stuck at three, getting Quinn and Williams Great pick. was a good pick. Yeah. 
I want to discuss the general philosophy here because we thought uh, I, I like drafting. Also, I'll say I like taking Quinn and Williams over Josh Allen because it's not wasn't as big a need. But you're saying I have a better grade on Quinn and Williams then, right? That, well, that was, that's I, what I, was I like ask. the thought process that goes into that in terms of. Uh, if you have a higher grade on one, one wasn't necessarily. I think that's just long-term draft strategy. That's a better route to go. Right. So I've always been a big believer in draft the better players. The only reason why I would lean more Josh Allen potentially is the positional value and the need. But I think they hedged nicely by getting Ja'Kai Polite in the third round, number mm-hmm. 68 overall. And this is some of the debate we've had internally. Look, if we are truly better in theory at defining edge edge defenders projecting edge defenders can you find a chakai polite in the third round a chase winovich in the third round who we'll talk about can you find some of these guys mm-hmm. and then you've got you just grab the best player first and then you grab the edge i think it could be a nice combination for the jets with quinnon and then polite yeah, the i, I like also the strategy of this draft in terms of chakai polite chuma idoga and even blake cashman in the fifth round do not impact the run game whatsoever. It's just straight pass game. Ja'Kai Polite is yeah. a designated pass rusher out the gate. I don't think he's going to play rundowns. Chuma Idoga is never going to be a great run blocker at the tackle position in the NFL. He is just slightly built and needs uh, to add muscle to his frame to even hold up in pass protection. He's probably a little bit of a project, but he is a better, you know, he has more projectable tools as a pass protector than a lot of the other tackles in this class. We really like that pick. And then Cashman, undersized uh, T-Rex arms, but he can fly move around the football field he'll add to your coverage at linebacker but again none of those guys are really going to impact the run game which we here at pff are going to say we like that trayvon wesco in the round four will impact your run game though very yes. good run blocker uh move tight ends type of player inline tight end can kind of do it all somewhat intriguing receiving he's potential. a prototypical number two tight end number two tight end he's right and prototypical for that it's not a bad guy to get on day three you know wherever you get it round four whatever yes but uh, not a bad spot. Uh, just to circle back to Quinn and Williams really quick, uh, give Jets fans uh, everything they need to know about Quinnen really quickly. Why is he so special? And you know, in a, in a good pick at number. So three. one, the the athleticism debate. There was the Ed Allah versus Quinn and Williams. Today. Who who should they be taking at three? They're both elite athletes. Quinn Williams is an elite athlete. He had a four eight three forty. His explosiveness off the line of scrimmage for a three hundred pound man is different than even you know highly touted defensive tackle prospects in the past the Gerald right. McCoy's and Dominican Seuss he is even more elite than they are athletically he's a freak of nature so from that perspective uh, that's a big tick mark in his favor highest overall PFF grade we've ever given to a defensive tackle in the five years of college grading that's a tick mark in his favor and then he has fairly good length for his size uh, he has a handful of pass rushing moves can win with power speed quickness you name it i mean he's about as safe a projection as there was in this draft and the fact that you already have leonard williams already have henry anderson not going to keep us and from he can play a yeah, player he, like he can play nose tackle he yeah. played mostly nose to a majority a lot of his snaps at nose tackle last year at alabama and was good there so so it's also a different skill set from yes. what they have and um, yeah, I think he'll he'll be an impact player. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you can't discuss the Miami Dolphins draft without discussing Josh Rosen. Yeah, we'll just call it their second round pick. He's their second round pick. But even just the mechanics of their team building, trying to find a quarterback, they're making a lot of moves that have the long term in mind. Mm-hmm. And I think the Josh Rosen move is perfect. A second rounder for him. I've compared it to... So whether, no matter what you feel about Josh Rosen, some people are higher than others. You've been on record as saying, I'm actually not that high on Josh yeah. Rosen, right? Mm-hmm. But this, this reminds me of 
Well, give me your Rosen takes, and I'll tell you what it reminds me of as far as... I'm not super high on Rosen. I didn't think he was that accurate at the college level. I didn't think he elevated his talent very much, and I think he doesn't offer anything uh, in terms of... He has to be perfect. When you're a pure pocket passer in the NFL, you better be perfect at that. You better be a Drew Brees, a Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady. You better be darn, darn good at that to have nothing... To add really nothing else athletically, and I just never saw that level of accuracy from Josh Rosen. So I think he's just, at best... Uh, an average type of NFL quarterback. But yeah. average on a rookie deal at the quarterback position still has an incredible amount of value. Still has more value than uh, getting even a, you know, start even a Pro Bowl caliber safety. A competent starting quarterback on a rookie deal has more value than that. And I've described Rosen a little bit differently. I'm, I'm a little bit higher on him than you, but not mm-hmm. massively. I know some people are like, you know, that's a steal. He was the best player. He was the best quarterback last year. A lot of people had him ranked number one. I've compared him to Eli Manning, as in I feel like there's still some of those high points in there mm-hmm. that if you have the perfect supporting cast and all that jazz. Um, so this reminds me of when the Browns spent a number two pick on Deshaun Kaiser, who I didn't like at all uh, mm-hmm. as a first round player. But I said, look, with the number two, with the second round pick and your fourth draft pick, yeah, perfectly worth the risk. Do I think he'll pan out? No. no. Did he pan out? No. <laughs> but it's worth it for a second it rounder did, just though. because the payoff. Yeah, I know they they spun him for Demarius Randall, right? And that's the thing about a quarterback is that you can get if you show anything the value you get in return, whether it's via trade, whether it's anything like even the Jimmy Garoppolo, him getting a second rounder in return for really like four games of good right. unspectacular quarterback play i'd say but just competency you immediately get your va- your return on investment right and the All patriots got four years of backup, a backup. they got a, yes, a four exactly. years of a backup quarterback they got their second rounder back and a few games of actual yes. play right so mm-hmm. um yeah all of that stuff makes sense to me so i think this is a no-brainer for the dolphins i also everybody's already talking about well this doesn't limit them in the future well definitely not if they need to discuss the future of their quarterback right. situation like you know poor josh rosen's gonna be sitting here a year uh, from now and people are gonna be debating Tua, Tua. yeah and herbert versus rosen and maybe two years from now lawrence versus rosen i'm sorry to josh rosen but i think more teams need to treat the quarterback position with this business-like mentality like hey well, we're just gonna find our next guy the thing is they treat it special like everyone knows it's special everyone knows oh quarterback is different it's more valuable than every other position but when they shouldn't realistically, from a roster building standpoint, treat it any more special in terms of you should be willing to let, you know, let quarterbacks walk on deal. Like you let defensive ends walk in free agency. You should be willing to let quarterbacks walk if they're really not meaningful right. enough to your team. You should be able to improve at the position if you're not getting the sort of uh, performance that you'd like at the most valuable position. You should be able to do those things. Whereas some teams treat it as super valuable and then don't. And then overcorrect there when they say, no, we're not going to, we're going to treat it so differently from every other position on the football field when it comes to those like free agency and how you treat it from a roster building perspective. We had a really good discussion uh, in the war room a few weeks ago. Chris Collinsworth, George, Eric, we talked about this whole thing. You know, would the Cowboys walk from Dak Prescott? Will mm-hmm. the Titans or the Bucks move on from Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota? In this example, Yep. Would the Cowboys just say, we're not paying you, Dak. We're actually going to take, instead of the first rounder going to Amari Cooper, we'll mm-hmm. throw it out there for Josh Rosen or whoever yeah. the next guy is just for the rookie deal. It's, an, it's a fascinating discussion. As far as the picks for Miami, this draft reminds me of what Detroit did last year as far as what they were trying to build from a team building <sighs> standpoint. Yeah. Mm. It feels like, a, no, like I don't know we're going to establish I don't know completely run. about that, but that, I think Wilkins was just, you know, you, you know you're getting a good player at 13. 
Yeah, that I, felt I, a little high for him, but I understand. I mean, your new play, you know, that, that's this. This was one of those culture picks too. I kept saying before the draft in the mocks, it was there were about seven to eight players that you felt really good about and you wanted to take highly in this draft. And then it was those picks kind of 9 through 16 that you didn't know where to go because it seemed like 9 through 16, the value wasn't there. But then once you got from 20 to 32, like that back into the first round, there were maybe 20 guys that you'd want to slot into that 20 to 32 range. So anything at 13, the 12, 13, 14, 15, where it ended up being, you know, Rashawn Gary, Chris Lindstrom, they were always going to feel like reaches just because the talent wasn't there. So I don't blame them for drafting Christian Wilkins there. Well, that was like Deron Payne at 13 last year, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but so Wilkins, good run defender, got yeah. him, got better as a pass rusher last year. You're just getting a solid player. Miami could have gone any which way because mm-hmm. they just need talent, yeah. both sides of the ball. Didn't the second rounder went to Josh Rosen, Michael Dieter, the guard in the third round. And I mean, this, again, this just feels like you're attacking the run game a little bit more than the pass game. That's where I'm comparing it to the Lions. Well, I, the thing was, I would have loved to have seen the, the Wilkins pick. I get, but I would have loved to have seen more at offensive line. I, I, the Dieter pick. That's so why I'm not going to hate on it too much. Where I don't think they're building around the ground game. They literally just need. Yeah, every, no, that was a good spot they for need him. every position along the offensive line. You have Isaac Asiata, Daniel Kilgore, Jesse Davis, and Zach Starrup as penciled in as your starters, left guard yeah. to right tackle. That is as bad as it gets at that, you know, from left guard to right tackle. There are tons we love. Left guard to right tackle is as bad as it gets in the NFL. So you needed something. I, I didn't, and I don't hate that you don't have to address it. Immediate need in the first round. If you think Christian Wilkins is a better player than whoever else is on your board, go for it. But they need to start hitting that soon because if Josh Rosen's starting, he's going well, to feel very familiar. It's a lot like the Cardinals line last well, year. The other good thing the out. Dolphins did, they, have a two, they got a 2020 second rounder from the Saints. Yes. And now they have two picks in the fourth, sixth, and seventh, I believe. So they're just stocking up on draft capital. Strategically, that's a great move. Uh, Andrew yes. Van Ginkle from they're playing the, they're Wisconsin. Playing the, they're set up to play the Trevor Lawrence game. They yeah. certainly are. And I, yeah. I think that's I think or that's even the right Tua. move. Tua could be a good prospect, too, the more I've dug into it. But yeah. Yeah, I don't mind Tua. Okay. I mean, they drafted a fullback, too, in the seventh round. Isaiah Prince, another good run-stopping offensive tackle. So, run game. Run-stopping. Run-blocking. Uh, Sorry. He did stop a lot of runs, so he's all over the place. It's been a long... He's, six was about right for him. It's been a long weekend, Michael. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the Patriots. New England Patriots. Uh, they get Nikhil Harry in the first round, Jawan Williams, the cornerback, in the second round. This goes back to that philosophy of, yes, it's easier to project first-round edge defenders, but they're just coming off of identifying Trey Flowers as a fourth-round edge defender Yeah, that was very productive in college. And that's Chase Winovich. Got four great years out of him. Are yeah. they going to do the same with Chase Winovich in the third? This potentially could be... One of the best picks in the draft. Yeah, the Chase Winovich pick we love. I, I mean, I feel very good about him. At least being uh, outperforming a third-round draft status. Right. I, we I had him in our top 32. Yeah, we had him in our top 32. I just think there's so many projectable traits in terms of athleticism and production that I'd be very surprised if he's not at least a solid pass rusher at the next level. Uh, in their first two picks, forget about the players for a second, mm-hmm. but we've talked strategically about you know win on the perimeter more than you win on the mm-hmm. trenches. The entire NFL is winning in the trenches. From a draft, they're drafting in the trenches in this draft. Patriots go wide receiver corner with their first two picks, where we think there was a ton of value. Again, not necessarily these particular players, and then they get the edge a little bit later. I think strategically that's in line with how we would do it from a position yeah. standpoint in this particular draft. But 
the wide about, receiver corner value at that point was that's was where really was. good. Yeah, uh, Juwan Williams is a monster corner, kind of in that Brandon Browner type of mold. I think they'll yeah, I mean, make fits, good use of him. I was gonna say he's he's a specialist. It was almost a superfluous pick for them. I'm never I'm never think he's gonna be. He's not gonna be Stephon Gilmore in right. that defense. He's never going to be your true number one type of cornerback. But he's a specialist in terms of he can take out a tight end he can take out a six five he can take out a hakeem butler with ease like that's right. his skill set matches up well with them and so they've covered those of the brandon browner eric rowe in years past that's fits they just they like to play that's one-on-one on, yeah. matchups in that's the secondary so that's useful but we we weren't high on Nikhil harry but do you think the patriots can get the most out of his skill set yeah, I think another player who, again, it fits the scheme in terms of he wins underneath is where he's at his best screens, uh, quick passing game, that sort of thing. He can win at downfield, not so much. He's not going to replace Josh Gordon in that offense of what he was doing. But I think the mold of their wide receivers, he can play. You could even fill in the slot there. He could be Julian Edelman's replacement if that is uh, where you want to go, if, I mean, because Julian Edmond is getting up there in age. They they could replace some of the Gronk routes, the seam routes, and stuff like that with <laughs> Harry and his big body and all that stuff. I still think Patriots fans need to remember 2014 Brandon LaFell from a usage standpoint because he was the third or fourth option in the offense. But when they played man coverage, you got a you know back shoulder fade here and there, a slant in the red zone, yeah. and a couple screens here and there where Harry's really good after the catch for big receivers. <laughs> He's gotten that Des Bryant comp. And I think stylistically they're the same, but I think to put a Des Bryant comp on him would be really, really rich. Yeah. So I'm not not, ready to do that at all. Des Bryant downfield production was a lot more impressive. He won with his physicality on the routes. Nikhil Harry just has not at this point. And I know Herm Herm Edwards said that he caught, uh, not, uh, yeah, Herm said that he caught um, 90% of his contested catches. It was 53%. Not quite, yeah. 53%, which was still good. One of the best mm-hmm. in the class. Uh, intriguing mid-round offensive lineman, too. Yadni Kajus coming off injury, has starter potential, and then your yeah. boy, uh, Yelde the best, The best time to draft offensive linemen is when they're not going to start right away for you. That's the best time to do it. Yadni Kajus not going to start right away, Yeldy, especially after the quad injury. So he doesn't have that injury. He's drafted a lot higher. So you're getting in, you know, in the world of value you're getting a second round player in the third if you're seeing it like that a guy who would have been drafted probably second round if he wasn't hurt in the third and they have that sort of luxury of doing that and Yeldy Froholt we loved him second round type of player again they're getting in the fourth not a lot of people are high in him but he reminds me of Joe Tooney their left guard there athletic uh, uses his hands really well not gonna wow you but wowing doesn't necessarily matter in the NFL it's holding up in pass and we could easily see Tooney walking at the end of the year Froholt potentially starting there Jarrett Stidham, their fourth-round quarterback. I don't know that he's the quarterback of the future. I don't mind taking him in the fourth. We definitely we had him a little bit lower, but it's all just day three when it comes to quarterback development. Has a good arm. If there's a system, maybe that they can get something out of him. Mm-hmm. It's the Patriots, but I'm not particularly high and on And then Stidham. they drafted a right-footed punter, not a lefty. Uh, what, what's going on there? Because he, he, had, he had a couple good runs. Oh, that's why. Yeah, he adds <laughs> athleticism to the, uh, to the mix. That, the Patriots just punted in general yeah. on day three. After Byron Coward. All right, north or south? Which way do you want to go here? Let's go north. The AFC North. Let's go to the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. and their draft. You've talked about, you know, they're, they're building the offensive line, building the run game. It seemed like they, they grabbed two receivers in the top 100, first time in franchise history. So Marquise Brown with the speed to stretch the field. Miles Boykin, one of the more athletic receivers that we've seen actually come out over the last couple of years. 
clearly they're trying to add some sort of vertical component to the pack. Yeah, so that's what I was going into this draft. I kept saying, you know, they don't really need. Like they don't if they don't necessarily address wide receiver right at the top there in the first or with their one of their first two picks. It's not a big deal. It's not that valuable a component to that offense with the way they're building it. But if you are going to address it, throw a deep receiver a guy that can win the vertical tree, a guy that has special downfield ability like a Marquise Brown is where I would have gone because play action, heavy run stuff, draw him up, hit him over the top. That's the design of this offense. That's where Lamar Jackson's accuracy isn't as big of an issue, is throwing over the middle, down the field, where Marquise Brown also happens to win. So I think that is, uh, if you were going to draft one, that's who I would have drafted if I was the Ravens. He's also not a, not a bad route runner as far as getting open, mm-hmm. intermediate level and stuff like that. So if you I'm need him, guys who can get open. If I'm him, I'm holding out. Like, what are you doing in that offense? You're going to make You're going to hold out. I'd demand a trade. Honestly, if I'm a wide receiver there at 25 overall, I would demand a trade. You're just you're costing yourself millions of dollars playing with. You're about to sign for millions of dollars. I know, but I'm saying you're costing yourself on your second contract if you really believe that you're a good wide receiver. Millions and millions of dollars. He will not. You're just going to be hard pressed to get over a thousand yards. Receiving. You hate Lamar Jackson that much? No, I'm just saying they're going to run the ball 60 percent of the time. He will get. 60 catches no, because they're going to fall behind more than they did last year and they're going to I'm just saying I would I would not I would hold that like you're just going to the run heaviest offense in the NFL you're just not going to put up good numbers I'm sorry that's just how I feel Julio Jones went to Alabama on his own accord he figured yeah. it out. He went to a, an offense that That's was running the ball sixty percent of the time. That's a lot different than. But I think the NFL can figure. They think it. They're smart enough to figure that out. Oh, he never had a thousand yards. Well, they they just I say, well, he was playing in a run heavy offense with Lamar. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. Wow, your hot take renner is back. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, third round edge. You thought think, they would attack. You think Randall Cobb signs for ten million a year if he's playing anywhere other than with Aaron Rodgers? See, I think it works. I think you can inflate a receiver. If he's playing with a good quarterback, mm-hmm. but I think de- deflating, I think deflating, I think people understand the context more. Okay, right? Like if Brady Rogers Breeze makes a guy look good, I think it's hard. It's harder for teams to separate that and say, "Well, it was all Brady, it was okay. all Breeze, it was all Rogers." But when you have a Marquise Brown, I think it's easier for them to say, "Hey, pretty good skill set, first round player, but he played for, with so and so, whatever it is." I mean, Josh Fair Gordon enough. produced with Brandon Whedon and everybody else that the Browns were throwing out there when he mm-hmm. was healthy. You know. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jalen Ferguson, power edge from Louisiana Tech, doesn't move all that well. We thought they'd attack edge or somewhere in the front seven. Yeah. Not a bad pick in the third, at least. No, not bad. He's very limited, though, athletically. He is a straight line bull rusher. Power. Uh, which, I mean, they needed someone. And he's in that sort of vein. He can... He can be productive as a bull rusher. That is a nice trait to have when translating to the NFL. I just think he's never going to be anything too much more than that. Uh, 64 total pressures, third most among FBS edge defenders. Anyone else in this draft other than Trace McSorley? Well, <laughs> Sam's guy, Amon Marshall, in the fourth. I didn't love him. Sam seems to love him, so maybe Sam can do a podcast about why. I'm I, so bitter about I didn't Amon Marshall. I'm just, I'm just saying I didn't see it. I thought he was just very exposed down the football field against anyone who any sort of route He runners. had some balance issues yes. early in his career that got a little bit better, but not And then not the, it, the funny one to me is picking Dale and Mack because uh, they now have... Big interior D linemen. They now have three nose tackles on the roster. They are, uh, they have, they are well set up to stop third and ones, but... 
Brandon Will- Michael Pierce struggles to see the field as is because of Brandon Williams. Now you add a third guy, but it's in the fifth round. So no, I'm just saying. Know, I'm just saying it's funny to me. I don't hate the you don't value. Pay I don't hate the value there, but yeah. All right, we give that uh, average draft for Baltimore is a lot of uh, you know I think I think the teams that got average drafts we just said okay you got a bunch of guys where we would draft them mm-hmm. and Marquise Brown was right around where we would take him late first Jalen Ferguson Miles Boykin everybody just kind of went where they should have mm-hmm. essentially and then we also talk about you know which positions and yeah you know value did they attack so average draft for the Baltimore Ravens moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals I thought they did a nice job in the first round taking Jonah, Jonah. Williams. Um, I'm always interested when teams make when they get traded up like when the Steelers trade up to the pick just above them knowing that the Bengals had a linebacker need knowing that Devin Bush is on the table and the Steelers go to get him always love watching that unfold yeah a couple years ago it worked the other way the Bengals got William Jackson right ahead of the Steelers Mm -hmm. by all reports William Jackson was going to be the Steelers guy yeah and the Steelers felt like they were just like well next cornerback on the board let's just go Artie, Artie Burns obviously the Bengals have gotten much better value out of William Jackson there I can't wait to see this whole Devin Bush same division how does he how does his career unfold do the Bengals actually get the better of the deal because they got Jonah Williams yeah our top tackle position of need they can't be that upset about Jonah at 11 can't be that upset I mean it's not flashy but this pick compared to Billy Price a year ago is night and day in our t- in our mind yeah. in terms of how good of a prospect you're getting and only and what is it ten picks higher up in the draft I mean he is a in my opinion it may not be maybe if you don't want him at tackle it may not be a all pro tackle but I think you could also you could be an all pro guard if you wanted him to put him there but I think if you keep him at tackle you'll be getting a well above average tackle in the NFL uh, and again you're hurting for a tackle at the moment with uh, Bobby Hart there on the right side. You don't want him seeing the field. You want Jonah Williams probably slotting in at right tackle. And I think he's, like I said, we, we thought he was the best tackle in the draft. No, it's pretty clear cut. Uh, Drew Sample, the second round pick. There's just a lot of question marks there. He yeah. could end up being good. We don't know. He could end up being a Hall of Famer. You never know. Um, we'll just hedge every uh, single bet. That was, right? okay. That's we, how. we have to talk about, just really quick aside, the draft coverage of he could be good is... It's assumed. We like we know a guy could be good. We're giving you our opinion, and so many times we saw it on TV this weekend. Right, uh, analysts would be, "Well, he could be a Hall of Famer." It's like, we, no, I mean, we all could be wrong. Everything we say, wrong, just, but we trust our opinions at right. the moment, and that's we're playing the we're odds here. Yes, essentially. So with Drew Sample, pretty good run blocking tight end. Hmm. He's got some explosiveness. The tough thing about tight end evaluation is seeing what they do in college and then projecting it. He did not have a ton of like seam routes catches and tra- he didn't have a ton of just plays where you could evaluate him they gave yes. him the ball on the flat he used his, his explosiveness yeah, no, nothing route wise yeah that you're like oh that's that's good yeah the project to the next level he's kind of just like he is a big and a fairly good athlete for how big he is but man in the second round you're drafting a number two tight end uh it, so you're drafting a less value position i get that tyler eifert's made glass and so he'll probably be your number one tight end sooner rather than later but at the same time it's just not a huge, valuable position you could have addressed. I know that linebacker was their other big need, but you could have addressed other positions that not necessarily were needs, but could have helped out your roster immensely. Offensive line still being chiefly among them. I know you've signed a bunch of guys, but it wouldn't hurt to keep adding talent there. So I, I think some of the other that one was just a head scratcher. I think some of the other things at play, you have a guy like Will Disley, fourth round tight end out of Washington last year by the Seattle Seahawks, who had like. A couple nice plays. Yeah. Had a couple nice plays in space. Caught a couple wide open touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And it feels like 
Seattle got this great value at their t- at tight end from this uh-huh. Washington run blocking tight end. Does that all of a sudden make Drew Sample's value a little bit higher? When it's like, actually, if you get Will Disley in the fourth round, like Seattle did last year, it's like, all right, that's not bad. Uh-huh. You got a number two tight end. That's what he is. So I, I don't know if that overrated Drew Sample a little bit. I, f- I feel like they the should have. the 52nd player in the draft. I know. That's the thing. 52nd player in the draft. I, I feel like that they should have gone back to the well offensive line. Someone like uh, Max Sharping came off the table a little bit later in that draft. Uh, it would have been nice to like add another piece there but they right. didn't do it because of the 2015 draft because of Cedric Boyhe, Jake Fisher back to back and how right. those guys were intertwined yeah. with each other and how bad both of them were that they couldn't couldn't look your fan base in the eyes but say, even hey, if it's it like again. they've had a pretty good defensive line but you just get a Chase Winovich in there you get that next mm-hmm. uh, that next sea of pass rushers in there whatever it might be so we've just gone a different way with exactly. sample Jermaine Pratt in the third round not the worst value in the world I would have loved actually Kalen Saunders there would have been nice but yeah okay. Saunders would be yeah. nice there for sure uh, Jermaine Pratt, third round. Um, tell Bengals fans what they're getting in Pratt. You know, you can get the top linebacker, but at least got a guy that can contribute here. He's, he's to me, his best comp was Bernard Kinney coming out uh, in that he's explosive in a straight line, can blow up blocks. I, I really like that athleticism, his speed there in the middle. So you're getting guys an upgrade over what you've had there for, for sure, sure right. athletically. But uh, I just didn't see the, the smooth hips that you saw from the top guys in this class in terms of coverage. He was a little clunky in that regard. And that's, to me, that's kind of like Bernardrick McKinney, which I think you still get a good player, uh, Jermaine Pratt, though. So I like the Ryan Finley pick. Uh, round four, I, I called him Andy Dalton light before the draft. I mm-hmm. think he's just got round four type of skills. You know, he's a, he'll be a backup for a while. Can he spot start? Could he eventually develop into a starter? Yes, because we're, again, there's odds on the we're, there's odds and cha- there's a chance that all of that stuff happens. Certainly worth the shot in round four for Ryan Finley. Doesn't have a ton of arm. Um, I liked how you know the Bengals going to this outside zone scheme. You run all that boot action, all that stuff. I was very impressed with how Finley ran that particular scheme. He comes mm-hmm. out of the boot as well as any quarterback in the class as far as finding open receivers and seeing the field. So he does a lot of those new, little nuanced things pretty well that probably fit what Cincinnati wants to do. I kind of like their fourth-rounders also. And then Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. Rodney Anderson is almost yep. a poor man Joe Mixon in, ter- in that he very good receiving skills. It's just injury. He had so many injuries at Oklahoma. If he stays healthy, he's going probably third, maybe second round in this draft. But the fourth, other fourth-rounders, Reynolds Wren, absurdly explosive human being is six foot five ridiculously long arms but zero feel for how to play a defensive tackle position but he had just reps where he would explode off the line get into the center drive him just carry him back into the quarterback's face he can be your pocket pushing nose tackle he's a guy who i think on third downs you put him right over the top of the center and just ask him to put him into the quarterback's lap that could be his role and so in the fourth round you're getting value out of someone now i wouldn't He's not going to be your every down nose tackle. He's not replacing Andrew Billings or Ryan Glasgow there, but he will make that roster and I think add value. And then Michael Jordan is a good developmental uh, swing offensive lineman, could play center, could play guard, could even play tackle for you. Freakishly athletic. He explodes off the line of scrimmage like any, like no other center in this class did. Uh, he just has some technique issues to clean up, uh, is not as polished of a product, but I, I think to get him in the fourth was... Uh, for an offensive line just in need of talent I think he brings that I love the O-line picks in the third to fourth round here in this draft let's move on to the Cleveland Browns no first round pick but when you draft Greedy Williams at 46 overall right it's like you you had a first round pick now there were reports he didn't take any visits that was supposedly his choice no visits anywhere 
mm. tackling issues, supposedly some injury issues. But I love what Freddie Kitchen said. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it Dorsey? Oh, it was so Kitchens. first off, it was so Kitchens. Kitchen said it's all about the pass game. Yeah, pass the ball, stop the pass. And I think Dorsey said we're not paying guys. You know, we're not cornerbacks cover. Yeah, and, and literally, if you miss four or five tackles a year, that shouldn't offset three hundred fifty, four hundred good cover exactly. snaps. Yeah. So greedy Williams of forty six. The idea that it fits a need, you put him opposite Denzel Ward. There's a chance the Browns came away with two top ten corners in back to back drafts. The upside of this pick Get is it. Yeah. insane. Yeah. That's I, I think that was one of the best picks of the draft. I wrote it up as such. Uh, to get a cornerback with as good a coverage skills as he has in man coverage and is, uh, to be only a redshirt sophomore doing what he did in the SEC, I, I think is rare. Now, the not taking visit stuff, taking a step backwards from freshman to sophomore year, those are red flags. Those are concerns. But... I think talent-wise, he's much better than the 46th overall prospect in this class. And I, the only thing I worry about is how they're going to use him there uh, with Cleveland, what kind of defense they will be running uh, because they have a uh, zone-heavy coordinator and the guy whose name is escaping me right now at the moment. Uh, the, it's Wilkes. Wilkes is Steve their Wilkes, new right. D.C. Very zone-heavy. So you go – I just think you have two man like corners to think that you're Warren going to Williams. Adjust. I would hope they're going to adjust, but if really if Wilkes is going to run what he ran in Arizona and in Carolina, that that's not really a fit for that. It's the only thing. Greedy's only not make, as smooth in off coverage. Exactly, he's that, not yeah. a fit for that. So that's the, my only worry about that draft pick. Um, we said the same thing about Artie Burns a couple of years ago. Man coverage yes. and Greedy's a better player, I think, overall than mm-hmm. Artie Burns. But we said Burns can't go to his own team. He goes to Pittsburgh and they and, put him in the wrong scheme. And yeah, hasn't been great. Sione, uh by the way, the first round pick was Odell Beckham, essentially, for the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns. That's nice. Uh, round three, Sione Taki Taki, uh, one of those hybrid you know, guys that can get after the quarterback, but he's an so off-ball linebacker. The, the difference between him, I liked him a lot more than Jelani Tavai, who are very similar players in that they're big, oversized linebackers. Who and Tavai you, went in the second. Tavai went 43rd overall. He went 80th. Uh, I like Taki Taki a lot more in that they can play off and not be liabilities and coverage by any means, but you're going to use them as blitzers, put them on the edge, uh, and have them even rush the passer there. Very similar skill set, actually, to Gennard Avery, who's already on the roster. So uh, I think I'm fine with that pick in terms of if him, just him compared to Tavai. If you're going to want one of those guys, I'm taking Taki Taki. Again, I don't know how Steve Wilkes uses them, but Taki Taki played some edge in college. Avery. He looked like a legit edge when he played yeah. edge, yeah. And Avery looks like a legit edge mm-hmm. in college and showed some of that last year. And then Joe Schobert, yeah, the other linebacker on the team, that was is, an edge in college and then that's you know, a nice, transitioned to a really good linebacker. They, they honestly, what they, their skills defensively, what they have, would be nice for the Belichick sort of system. Oh, absolutely. They have, like, they have that sort of talent. Eight million hybrid if players. The, the, Lions had, you know, the Lions have been trying to build that. The Browns have that. So that's why I just worry about the D.C. there being Steve Wilkes having him be a very base 4-3. You just have to trust that he'll adjust to that scheme. I think the other interesting story about their draft, Mac Wilson going in the fifth round, and this was just a huge disconnect between whatever the media was pushing about Mac Wilson Mm -hmm. and where our evaluation was, and apparently the NFL's evaluation, we had him as a fourth round type of player at best. uh, He was getting first round hype, so to us it wasn't a story that he fell, it just kind of fell in line with where our draft board was. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a big hitter. He's a big hitter at Alabama, you know, but yeah. not nearly as good as the previous linebackers that they've churned out in recent years. Pretty nice draft. We gave it an average draft for the Browns because 
you know, I mean, the, the greedy Williams pick was really, really good. Everything else pretty much mm-hmm. in, in line. line with where we would take him. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I thought overall it was a really nice draft. It's always risky moving up. up, right? Yeah. Because Devin Bush now needs to have the value of two players. But they did have a lot of draft capital. They still had a second. They still came away with a second, a pick in all four rounds, right? Mm-hmm. So, from that standpoint, it was nice to have the draft capital. But it's always risky when you move up for a linebacker in that Steelers defense. Though we talk about cornerbacks being the most valuable position on the football field, I can see that in that scheme, linebacker that role that Devin Bush is going to fill couldn't have as much value as a cornerback in terms of how valuable it is. Him making plays and coverage is necessary to that defense. Not having uh, Ryan Shazier in that defense brought it to its knees. That was a big loss for them. He was their most valuable player defensively because of how much uh, how much ground you need to cover in the middle of the field at the linebacker position in those zone heavy defenses, the way they play it and be able to make plays and limit yards after the catch and that sort of thing. Devin Bush is a very valuable player in that system, and I can see why they traded up to go get him. Coverage, blitzing, he mm-hmm. does a lot of things well. Exactly. Speed is legit, 4-4-ish. Uh, very good football player. The pick... Uh, that we absolutely love, Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are we listing this wrong? He was a third round yeah, pick. Yeah, he was a third round pick, top of third. We've got this wrong. Well, it's just the, the numbers, right? He was 66 overall. 66, but it was round three, which fooled mm-hmm. me. So they still ended up with four picks in the first four rounds, is what I should have said. But Deontay Johnson, we wouldn't have hated, hated him in the second round anyway, mm-hmm. since you called him an exact clone to Antonio Brown, right? Pretty much. I mean, he is Antonio Brown. Now, on field, it's the interesting thing was, on field, I'm like, he looks, just having not seen his testing numbers, right. just ha- watching him play football, absurdly good ret- punt returner, led the nation over the last two seasons in terms of punt return average, is electric after the catch, and he didn't, he's electric after the catch, and not having played the slot role, he's not getting the fluff targets, he's not getting those easy, uh, pump those easy screens and uh, slot outs and that sort of thing. He's actually winning on the outside and was still making plays after the catch, and very nuanced route runner, uh, can stop on an absolute dime. So I just watched the tape, I said, oh, he looks like Antonio Brown. Then he goes to the combine and tests almost identically in terms of was awful. Like, just very bad. Four, five, three, something like a bad short shuttle, over seven, three cone. Just none of it looked elite athleticism, the testing-wise. But on the field, you say, this guy's an elite athlete. It's and really so, intriguing. Like how very similar perspective, so playing in the MAC at Toledo, and then he goes to the Steelers. When, he, when they picked him, I started cracking up here uh, in the draft room that we were in because there were just so many corollary some of these parallels between the two and for them him to go to the Steelers was I can see why they were high on him they said they had a first round grade and I'm not I'm not going to disagree with them uh, so we loved that pick uh, really like Justin Lane in the third round we kept throwing the term zone corner on yeah, him they finally and, got his own corner yeah <laughs> and it wasn't and it's not because you know. he can't play develop it into a press man type of guy I just love his length in his own scheme the Steelers yeah. played a lot more man last year but they're still a zone team at heart they yeah. still want to play you know, with they some zone blitzing, yeah, some cover two. Their calling card to this day. So yeah, so I, so I think Lane fits well. Again, I was joking on draft night. I think he he steps in for you know he's better than Artie Burns by week eight. I mean, I think he competes for time. He's a pretty uh, freaky athlete too. Almost immediately, former Eleven. wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot to like about Has him. Ball skills. Eleven uh, foot four inch broad jump. Uh, the dude explodes. Uh, on tape, so I, I, I'm a fan of that pick. One and of my favorites of the draft. You talk about other fits, you know, getting like Isaiah Bugs, the old school three four defensive end, essentially in round six out of Alabama, and then Sutton Smith, undersized edge out of Northern Illinois. Is he better than uh, Bud Dupree, <laughs> rushing the passer right away? Feasibly, 
He's a good, good maybe a sub package guy. He, yeah. So if he there's could. a team that we always say with these undersized edges, if you move them around and make them a blitz weapon and all that stuff yeah. at the next level, maybe the Steelers are a team mm-hmm. that could do that. By the way, Derwin Gray didn't grade well, but some of the metrics we had yeah. really liked him, especially in the seventh round. He's a an above average draft for sure. Yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot to like. A lot to like about the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a lot will hinge on Devin Bush and, and his development, though. Obviously. All right, let's move to the AFC South. Yes. Two of our favorite drafts. Let's start with the Tennessee Titans and then the Jacksonville Jaguars. We gave them both really high marks. I think the Titans in their first four Titans. picks. Yes. I mean, even four, the five. Even the first five. First five. I mean, they're getting players that can make and an six. impact. Okay, every, every player <laughs> every can pick, make an impact. Honestly, every pick we had, I think we, we would have been willing to take higher than where they ended up going. That's a good way of putting it. And, and look, the first four, legitimate yeah. starter. If you want to yeah. use the term starter, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State, interior rusher. 90-plus grade as a run defender and as a pass rusher. A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. Uh, you know, yep. Very good wide receiver there. He has, he has the best chance, in my opinion, A.J. Brown, of being a true number one in this draft class. The do-it-all number one type of receiver, A.J. Brown, for my money, has the best chance of being that guy. He has the best chance. Yeah. So I like it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's legit. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Corey, a good spot to get. Corey Davis gets your nice number two. Now they're... Can he still get to 1,000 receptions? Possibly. But A.J. Brown, uh, I think, was a steal. Jeffrey Simmons, like you said, was a top 10 player when he's on the field. So you got a top 10 player at 19. Injury obviously discounts that. You hope he gets back healthy. But uh, yeah, th- those first two. And then Nate Davis, I absolutely loved. Nate Davis at a position of need where you know they can refuel mm-hmm. at guard. And then Imani Hooker, one of those guys, it was, he was our best available player for or one of our best available players for a couple of rounds there, getting him at that spot was was really nice as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Hooker is an upgrade, I think, immediately for them uh, there in the fourth uh, over Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, I want to say he's just a more he's just a more athletic safety, can do more from a coverage perspective than Vaccaro can at this point. So that was one of our best. That was one of our best drafts. I thought the Titans just you summed it up well. You mm-hmm. know, everybody. They got everybody at uh, pretty much a good spot. And then Jeffrey Simmons, especially now. Um, the thing is, if you're going to draft Jeffrey Simmons and you get all these other players that can contribute, you kind of it's almost like you're able to hedge a little bit. If Simmons hits, he's a top 10 player in this draft. Get him at 19. So it's a potential real home run there for the Titans. With the Jacksonville Jaguars, I thought the best thing about their draft is that you know, we always joke about best player available and all that stuff. I imagine most of the Jaguars mock drafts, they weren't expecting Josh Allen to be there at seven. They're doing all these internal mock drafts. And I think they even said it. I think at Burt Breer's column, they were expecting TJ Hawkinson. They were, they were going to debate between him and uh, Jonah Williams mm-hmm. from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were, they were weighing the two. And I bet in 90% of their simulations, it was one of those two guys. Mm-hmm. And then Josh Allen's there. And it's like, all right, we have to. It doesn't matter that we have Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe. We're taking Josh Allen. We'll figure out the rest later, and I just love that as a concept, and I think the Jags will pay. It'll pay off. Yeah, that you have not only just Clayus Campbell, Yon Gakwe, but that you went D line first round last year. That you have also you know free agent capital invested at the position, but also draft capital invested at the position uh, along the defensive line, and you still said, "Hey, this is by far the best player available. We're going to go right. get him." So loved that pick. One of my favorites of the draft as well. I, I think 
and it's funny that the Raiders pass on Josh Allen because he's not a 4-3 fit. And then he goes to the Jaguars, who run a 4-3. But it's like they'll, fi- <laughs> they'll figure out a way to make a guy who can rush the passer work in that defense. And, and, and the difference in philosophy, the Raiders had a massive need for a good pass rusher. And I, they think Cleveland Farrell's <laughs> the guy, but they had a massive need. The Jaguars don't have a tangible, short-sighted need but you always need it, and you know you always exactly. want to get those good players. So what I liked is they let the draft come to them, right? They picked Josh Allen, and then first-round player Juwan Taylor's on the board at number 35 overall in the second round, some rumors about knee injuries and all these different things. But put all that aside, that was a guy that was mocked at number 7 yep. quite a bit to the Jaguars. So we had said on the turn in rounds 2 and 3, there's depth at tackle, there's depth at wide receiver. We didn't think there was t- tackle depth this good. I thought the tackles would be gone by then at the top of the second round and they were the beneficiaries big time because I, I thought there would be a run people I just thought with how the free agent class sort of broke down on the offensive line in terms of all these guys getting an absurd amount of money that people would have realized hey we like we should probably get cost controlled offensive tackles instead of uh, having to go out and free agency and pay them nope Jawan Taylor falls to them uh, I think he's a he profile to what they like too. he's a great run blocker they want to run the ball that's what's he's going to be able to do that at least it's probably a whole separate video and philosophical discussion but the NFL clearly had some value at guard interior O-line mm-hmm. right I mean there's always tackles up there but the fact that Chris Lindstrom went so high Garrett I mean the, the Falcons grabbed a guard over a tackle essentially and they're, they're two first round picks yeah Garrett Bradbury going when the Vikings could have used anybody on the offensive line and there were good tackles on the board it's just an interesting way that things are going we still would have said the opposite with how tackle players in the NFL um, and then round three loved that the Jaguars got Josh, Josh Oliver there was a great spot for him to go big athletic tight end who can go up and get it Gardner Minshew round six, six quarterback pick did you see that tweet from uh, no what was the movie no, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon yeah, Dynamite. That was, that was one of the best tweets I've ever seen. I've never seen Pedro. Oh, you never? Pedro and Napoleon. That's Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles. It was fantastic. That was well done. So we really like the Jaguars draft. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have some stuff on the uh, NFL Network's digital coverage on the Titans and Jaguars. I did a little voiceover yeah. breaking down our thoughts there. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, Mike, you and I have talked quite a bit. Yes. Off air about just their style and philosophy. And this isn't a knock on them, but I think they're one of those teams. They're always going to draft a little bit different from where our rankings and draft board line up. Yes. But they have a style. They have a way of drafting. It worked out for them last year, and this will be an intriguing draft to see what how it plays out. It, it very much is. And it's another thing where I... I l- I like teams that have a defined strategy. Sure. That you can tell this is their strategy. And I would I would assume that they would have a defined strategy or it makes sense for them to have a defined strategy with how differently kind of they play defense than the rest of the NFL. They have a very specific style of defense that they run where it's this either cover two or cover three and they're playing press on the outside and then falling into off zone coverage. And you're basically, it's a, diff- it's a lot different coverage sort of uh, skills when you're looking at the quarterback every single snap right. and breaking on routes or breaking on his eyes and having to do that. That's how you're playing coverage as opposed to playing man coverage or playing combo coverage where you have to where you have to read the routes instead of the quarterback. They're all looking at the quarterback looking for where to break, drop into a spot and then looking. And so you're coveting a different type of player and the type of player they covet is fast and long. Rakusin, Bobby Okirki, Marvell Tell, 
all very long for their respective positions, all very fast for their respective positions. Uh, I think that that is a defense that basically says we're not gonna, we don't really care about your instincts. You're, this is a very simple thing. Go execute this simple role and be right. fast and long, and that helps. With Rocky Sin, I would have been really interested to, interested to see if Byron Murphy was in the pick. The, pre- the uh, previous pick was Arizona at 33. Rocky Sin goes 34. What you described, those zone coverage skills, are Byron Murphy to a T, but he doesn't have, have length. length. Yeah. So I would have been interested if they would have said, Byron Murphy is a perfect scheme fit because he's so good at playing with his eyes on the quarterback like we like to do, or if they would have deferred to uh, the longer corner like Rocky Sin. We had more of an early third on uh, Rocky Sin. We weren't as high on him. By all reports, though, and this is just the fickle nature of the draft, the Steelers were going to take him at 20. If they didn't get yeah. that Devin Bush trade, the Steelers mm-hmm. easily could have yeah. taken him at 20. So that's where it's like, how do you value a guy? He was picked 34th. Another team very well may have taken him at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Colts probably happy with that one. Ben Banigou, TCU edge in and the, the And again, the, even the wide receiver and edge, they took our athletic projects. Yeah. They take freak athletes and hope that they can make it work in their scheme. Banigou about as freakishly athletic as any edge in this class. And then Campbell, probably the same thing can be said at the wide receiver position. We thought he's more of a gadget player than a legit deep threat type of wide receiver that his athleticism suggests. So we didn't love him compared to those other guys that went in the back around too. But there's a, there's a role for him in an NFL right. offense. We'll see if they turn him into that souped-up Tavon Austin mm-hmm. that I keep uh, looking at. Also, seventh-rounder Jackson Barton, just a monster offensive tackle out of Utah. A guy that just caught my eye throughout the process. And again, a couple numbers that just kind of pointed his way. He did well in uh, essentially designated pass pro situations. So love taking those late shots on offensive tackles because the payoff is just so great if something happens. And then the Houston Texans surround out the AFC South. Uh, Definitely one of the more surprising drafts, I would say, as far as when guys went off the board. And we're not like the people that are like, Titus Howard, who is that first rounder? I mean, obviously we like... we watched him we evaluated him we had a second round grade on him it wasn't the worst thing in the world to take titus howard there but two tackles in their first three picks we anticipated something like this they had to address a need titus howard max sharping with uh big long corner lonnie johnson in yeah. between those two yeah we just we didn't love lonnie johnson i, I thought he got exposed uh, i just thought he had no sort of ball skills whatsoever and that's a big red flag when projecting the nfl you're but, a lot of plays are at the catch point in the NFL, and if you're losing right. those consistently, that's an issue for me. But they're doing exactly what you described with the Colts with this mm-hmm. particular pick. Big, yeah, long corner, zone-heavy scheme in Houston. It does fit a need, mm-hmm. just higher than we would have said at round two. Justin, we had a, like If they took Justin Lane there, we thought he was a better fit, probably, mm-hmm. for Houston there. And then the tackles, I like both of them. We call both of them second-rounders. You're just... You need them to play right away, though, is the thing. They're coming from Alabama State and NIU. There's a chance the learning curve for both of them might be a little steeper than most. So that's the, that's the tricky part here, right? Because they got Julian Davenport and his you know, super long arms. And, oh, we'll develop him. But he had to play but, yeah, right away. And he's exactly. given up 12 sacks. So uh, Titus Howard did show well against Auburn, showed well at the Senior Bowl. But, yeah, it's a big projection from Alabama State. And even though Sharping, four years of good grading for us, is in the MAC, mm-hmm. you know, there's some projection to his game as well. Later round picks, they did pretty well on day three, I think, with Charles Amenihue out of Texas, yep. guy that could play Xavier multiple Crawford. gaps, some length. Xavier Crawford, pretty good corner right. out of Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, Crawford could be better than Lonnie Johnson, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, we had they him were, higher. They were higher ranked board. in a similar range, Crawford higher. Uh, Cahill Waring from San Diego State, we were a little bit lower on him, but I think the pure athleticism that he brings to the tables, you know, not, not a bad shot in the third round. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the Texans really just hit. They did hit positions of need, though. They needed to replenish a corner, needed to replenish a tackle. Mm-hmm. Could use more tight end depth, I think. So, uh, not bad from that respect. I don't judge drafts by need, though. Mm-hmm. I'd never do that. Let's go AFC West. Let's start with the Raiders. Let us start with the Raiders. Oh. All right. All right. Here we go. Listen. Raiders fans, maybe skip this part. We've already put out a, a Raiders draft recap. Mm-hmm. It's almost one-to-one thumbs up to thumbs downs. Okay? Yes. Just so you know. It's usually like, hey, for every 200 thumbs up, you might get one, you know, four or five <laughs> bitter fans that are going to throw the thumbs down. Raiders fans are not happy with us so far. We're just trying to, t- trying to keep it real the, here, Mike. The thing is, like, you you added talent to the roster. You had four picks in the top 35. It was almost going to be impossible not to add, to add talent. talent. To you had roster. to add talent. We just think that there was more talent to add. Yeah. And th- so I'll start it with this. We might sit here three years from now and say, Cleveland Farrell is a pretty nice player. And Josh Jacobs, not a bad player. Jonathan Abram, he's filling a role. Trayvon Mellon, he's starting. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You might be here three years from now saying they're all contributing and doing some things and good for the Raiders, but they could have been better. Yes. That's, I think that's our main point. They left some better players on the board at more valuable positions. Yes. That's, yeah. the under, that's our underlying analysis on the, the Raiders draft. The, the one thing was, so they drafted Cleveland Farrell over Josh Allen because of scheme fit, which... In culture, and character. Culture, character. I mean, Josh Allen's a pretty high character, high culture guy. I agree. I'm in his saying. own right. But if you can't make two guys, both 6'4", actually Josh Allen 6'5", that are 260 pounds, if you can't make Josh Allen at that size fit into a 4'3", because he didn't play with his hand in the dirt often in college, if you can't teach him to play with his hand in the dirt... What are you doing as a coach? You know, what are you doing as a developer of talent at the NFL level that you think the two guys nearly identical in size, Josh Allen far more explosive and far more athletic, that you can't turn that guy into a 4-3 defensive end just because he played with his hand up at Kentucky? That to me is that, that to me is just crazy that well, you would four, let three, your three four debate does it's so irrelevant anyway. Yeah. Because you're a nick you're a nickel seventy five percent of the time and nickel rushers, it's essentially a four man line. There's gonna be four rushers. Sometimes the fourth rusher has his hand up or hand in the dirt or he's standing up. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, just, it's essentially the same position. But so. the fact that you let your $3 million a year defensive coordinator dictate what could be a $20 million a year defensive end that you're drafting good way of putting is it. crazy to me. But that's just my opinion on that take. So, again, we thought you got a good player in Cleveland Farrell. Number four, he's not much different than Montez Sweat, who went number 26 overall in our eyes. Yeah, we just... Or even L.J. Collier, 129. They, obviously, they didn't think that they could get Farrell mm-hmm. at 24. But again, if you're playing the value game, we think if you took him at 24, we'd say, great, yeah. that's fine. The other issue for us, running back in the first round, we talked about this ad nauseum, the yeah. difference between Josh Jacobs, even though he's our number one running back, the difference between him and the 10th running back in this draft class is going to be negligible. Mm-hmm. And then you get a box safety, Jonathan Abram, at 27. Now, we did a full Jonathan Abram breakdown here on the YouTube channel, and I said, look, we might, you know, our grade's not great on him, but he could be a good NFL player if you use him as a strong safety, just like Keanu Neal. He had a bad PFF grade in college, a good grade at the NFL level, but it still comes down to value with this first-round pick. As good as Keanu Neal's been when he's been on the field, how mm-hmm. valuable has he really been to the Falcons' defense? And I think Neal has better coverage skills than Abram. Mm-hmm. So... If Abrams just a run stopping safety that hits hard at number twenty seven, that's and, a question. And you have two safeties. You have Lamarcus Joyner and Carl Joseph already is the other thing. Not not that 
again, that, not that anyone's, but uh, he's but not going to play. But it's, it's more that he's not. It's path to the field sort of argument. Right. Is he, where is he going to play? Is he going to play 500 snaps a year as right. your nickel nickel linebacker or dime linebacker? That to me is an issue. Whereas you could have drafted a guy at that position. Now I know they got Trayvon Mullen a handful of picks later, but you could have just got you could have gotten two cornerbacks because legitimately you need two. And we just talked about Rocky Sin being really good in a in his own scheme. We just talked about Byron Murphy being really good at his, uh, in his own scheme. They were both there at 27, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where they graded those guys, but they were both there at 27. They would have fit the scheme really well at a more valuable position. They did get Trayvon Mullen at 40. We had a fourth, fifth round type of grade on him. Not as high. Um, so all it is is I've seen first-round hype for all those guys at some point, right? At some point mm-hmm. in some mock draft, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, and Trayvon Mullen were in the first round from somebody, but for all of us, they were 60th or 90th or 120th, whatever the rank was mm-hmm. on our draft board. So we're just lower well, on all those guys. But day two, or excuse me, day three, big turnaround. We love Max Crosby, one of the sleepers at the edge position in this draft. Yep. Freakishly athletic and uses his hands really well, too. There's some developmental tools to work with there. Isaiah Johnson. You called Max Houston. Crosby Brian Burns Light. By Brian the way. Burns Number White. That's what I called there. him. Uh, Light, excuse me. Uh, yeah, and then Isaiah Johnson, the cornerback out of Houston is how you would build a cornerback. He has all the tools you could possibly want for a cornerback and has only played a position for two years, the last two years, was a former wide receiver. Uh, he tackles terribly, but there's a lot to work with there for the fourth round to get a guy who, uh, and it showed up for some reps on tape. He would look, you know, that re- legit athleticism shows up a handful of times, still needs to iron out some issues, but in the fourth round, he could be one of the steals. That's where you want to take that yeah. type of guy. Um, and just like we kind of trashed the Drew Sample second round pick. Mm-hmm. Foster Moreau, there's probably not a big difference between Sample and Foster Moreau, the LSU tight end who they got in the fourth round at 137th overall instead of 51st overall. So again, if you're getting that number two tight end, that's you know, a pretty good receiver and can yeah. run block a little bit, not a bad spot for that. And Hunter Renfro can catch a million passes because yeah. he's... Hunter Renfro's good in the slot. He's a great route runner. I, I think that's fifth round. I think that skill set that he brings is more valuable in the fifth round. Now he's not a first, second round type of receiver or even maybe in third round type of receiver. He's not ever going to be anything more than a slot, I don't think, the NFL level. But in the slot, a lot to work with. Love, so, so and they really already have like the pieces on the outside so that he can step in there right away. You don't need, you're not expecting any more from him. For the second year in a row, did not love what the Raiders did on days one or two. Really yeah. liked what they did in day three. Yeah. So and there's a theme there. The most so. impact player from year one came on day three. So Did. Maurice Hurst. Hurst. All right. Denver Broncos. Uh an interesting draft for the Broncos. They moved down from 10 to 20. I know you don't love Noah Fant. I like their process, though. Mm-hmm. They traded down. They get Fant at 20. At 41, now they're back-to-back picks. 41, they get Dalton Reisner. They traded back up at 42 to take Drew Locke. So mm-hmm. ultimately, Drew Locke, a guy that if they had taken him at 20, I'd say, okay, it's not too bad. I called, you know, I said late first, early second. But if you get Fant, Reisner, and Locke, with those three picks in the top 42, not a bad haul for the Broncos, considering they came in you know, with 10 and 41 as far as their draft picks go. I will say, Fant, I don't love. There's one offense, or there's a role for him that his athleticism is valuable, that I can see him being worth, not maybe not 20th overall pick, but that I'd be willing to draft him highly, and that is what Rick Scangarillo runs there uh, in Denver. The Shanahan boot-heavy right. So he's not so running put him in the flat. complex You're routes. Put him in he's space. running crossers. 
you'll start on one side of the formation, go to the other side of the formation on a straight crosser, and just outrun linebackers from one side of the field to the other. Runs you know directly up the field, through, up the seam. Those sort of routes, the deep crosser, he can run. I mean, just because he's so much faster, so much more athletic than any other tight end in this draft. If you don't have an athletic linebacker covering him or an athletic safety or whatever covering him, he's going to outrun him, and that's going to be a big play. So he can lead to those in that offense. Don't expect him, though, to be your – just don't expect him to be Travis Kelsey. Don't expect him to be – just because he's athletically freaky, don't expect him to be uh, that sort of level of tight end. Travis Kelsey, guy like Greg Olson – those guys have nuanced route yes. running. You get them with a two-way go against an off-corner or safety. I mean, they're going to find body a way to control. get open. They have body, body control, control to adjust to passes. There's a lot Fant of def- never right. showed that. Fant had questionable after-the-catch skills, mm-hmm. contested catch skills, and just straight-up hands. Yes. But what you described, crossers and seams, and just the idea of threatening the defense, they have to account for 4-5 or five speed and exactly. a bigger body who can run block a little bit. So. And he's an athletic run blocker that fits the scheme as well. Exactly. So there are some things to like about fans there. No, Dalton Reisner, we loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, power offensive tackle, probably starts at guard yeah. uh, for or the Broncos. Center, yeah. And and then Drew Locke, you know, I'm not going to call him a high upside quarterback because that's that whole mm. big arm, inaccurate guy. But he's a guy I wouldn't mind developing at 42. I'm not even sure he's terribly inaccurate. It's just... Uh, I'm using that there's, rough, but there's, yeah, there's there are uh, he is he's not big accurate. arm, he's not accurate, yeah, loose around the edges because yeah, there's there's a lot of bad pocket presence bit. issues, yeah, I, you know he doesn't step up, footwork issues. There are things that he needs to iron out, yeah. And again, just like we talked about Josh Rosen as a second round pick, I mean, I, I'll take mm-hmm. all of these guys who even have a, a small fraction of being exactly. a franchise guy. Exactly, it's the worth the risk, round. is what we're saying here. And he might be as mm-hmm. good as Joe Flacco somewhat soon uh draymond jones really nice pick in the third round to 71st overall uh interior pass rusher and then justin hollins just to touch on another guy in the mold of the sion taki takis of the world and the jelani tavais to get him in the fifth he is a more i'm not sure they're going to use him uh, in that role in that sort of role in the broncos scheme but he has pass rushing and off ball coverage short of skills and i, I think that's uh, to get him in the fifth is better than Jelani Tavai in the second. Just two more teams. Get back to that. So two more teams to get through. I think we may have completely skipped a team last year at one point. Have we skipped anybody so far? AFC so. East, North, and South. We've hit everybody, right? Yes. Two more left. Do you want the Chargers or the Chiefs? Do you want to end on a high note or a low note? <laughs> Let's start with the Chiefs. I won't do it. So you want to end on a high note? Yes. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, did not have a first-round pick after trading for Frank Clark. Their first pick was... Second round pick at 56 overall, Mecole Hardman from Georgia. A skill set, undersized, speedy receiver. Uh, Tyree Kill, of course, going to be in potential legal trouble. Mm-hmm. Was this, I don't want to use the word desperation, but was this an almost identical need fit where they said, look, this offense runs off of Tyree Kill's versatility and speed. We need that skill set. We're going to get it at 56. Or was he just, hey, we, he's a guy that we liked here. Let's just take him. It felt it, a little bit high. It was a pure... Phil Tyreek Hill. Yeah. They, they pan- I don't want to say they panicked, but they know Tyreek Hill's not going to be on this roster next fall, in all likelihood. Mecole Hardeman is similar in that regard. I think it's a crime that you take him over Andy Isabella to fill that role, because Isabella's receiving skills are is night, night and day compared to Mecole Hardeman, in my eyes. But you get a guy with return skills, a guy who's going to be electric on jet sweeps, screens, 
does that as high, at as high a level as anyone in this draft class. Better than Paris Campbell, in my mind, if you're in that gadget player type of role. Right. Who, very underutilized at Georgia. You could see him developing more. I worry about anything contested with him. Didn't have a single contested catch last year. Tracking the ball down the field, I have issues with at times on his tape. So I'll he's not Tyreek Hill from that regard. But... He can do all the underneath stuff that Tyreek Hill used to do. That, that's and, the, the thing. and the threatening stuff. It's just it, to right. have that sort of speed is threatening to defenses. You know they'll use the skill set because exactly. at Georgia where they spread the ball everywhere, there were multiple plays last year where it's like, wow, this guy in an SEC game Looks is different. playing at a different speed. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of like Tyreek Hill at the NFL level with everybody else being fast should not be that much faster than everybody else. I'm not mm-hmm. saying Meikle's that fast, but he's kind of doing that at the SEC level. So it's going to be about how they use him. I really like Juan Thornhill. They get him at 63. Yes. Safety out of Virginia. So he was one of our highest graded players at just when he lined up at free safety. Mm -hmm. Just unbelievable free safety skills that he's developed over these last couple years because he used to be a corner. And because of the corner depth chart there being so weak, I do wonder if they want to revert back to where he played in 2015 and 16 uh, at cornerback potentially. That's a real possibility. Their cornerback room, which... I'll touch on with the next pick, Colin Sanders. We like, like, I like that pick a lot. I wish I could like it more than I do because we had him as more of a second round guy, but they drafted one, a nose tackle for the second straight year in the third round. Derek Nadi a season ago. Uh, I don't hate giving up on him because we didn't think he was worth a third rounder whatsoever as offers nothing as a pass rusher. Kalen Saunders offers a lot more as a pass rusher from the nose, uh, offers almost a similar skill set to Dexter Lawrence for a much, much cheaper price. So I love it in that regard, but you could have had a cornerback here and Jamel Dean, Julian Love, uh, a handful of guys that would have addressed the biggest need on your roster far, far and away, but you drafted your second nose tackle. You know, a guy who might, have, might be your backup nose tackle right now if you really love Derek Nadi. And now you're going into the season with probably the worst cornerback depth chart in the NFL. Read the depth chart. You have Rashad Breland, Charvarius Ward, Kendall Fuller, Traymond Smith, Rashad Fenton, who they just drafted, who they ended up drafting in the sixth. Well, Reeser. Keith Reeser. There we go. And Demontre Wade. AAF star Keith Reeser. That's, I mean, Rashad Breland was, could have been had by any team in the NFL up through like week six last year or whatever it was when Green Bay signed him. Kendall Fuller is, we like Kendall Fuller. He's a slot cornerback. That's where he's been at his best. Probably not going to play on the outside for them. Charvarius Ward, I mean, the Cowboys gave up. Cowboys dealt him as a UDFA for a backup guard. So that well, tells you how much they thought of him. But let, me, let me ask you this. I think, again, this, I feel like this is Bad. a bigger discussion. We'll, have, we'll go team by team. Not team by team, but there's a lot of team building mm-hmm. discussions to be had after the fact here. But is Steve Spagnuolo, the new defensive coordinator, saying, look, I know PFF saying cornerback's the most important position. He's not starting this sentence by that. But he's saying, I've won two Super Bowls with just a loaded defensive line. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a Frank Clark. You've got Chris Jones. Uh, Colin Saunders can be that pass rushing nose. The, the idea of winning with the front four, which I still think is valuable. Winning yeah. with the front four oh, is extremely yeah. valuable. And saying, we're not going to play as much man coverage. We're a scheme-based defense, much mm-hmm. more than it was under Bob Sutton, who played a ton of man, and thinking we can win with lesser talent in the secondary. Or Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, and you just start to stitch it together in the secondary. Yeah. I, is, is that what he's thinking? Well, I think that they had evaluated last season. They evaluated 2018 and said, why, did, why was our defense so bad? And one of their main takeaways was run defense. And yes, they were bad in run defense. Yeah. 
But then you just look at all the moves they've made over the course of the offseason, besides obviously the Tyron Matthew signing, which, I mean, they needed anyone at safety. So they were going to sign a safety, yes. But Alex Okafor, primarily known for his run defense in New Orleans, one of the better run defenders at the edge position, they signed this offseason. They let go of D. Ford, who was not a good run defender. They traded for Frank Clark, who is a good run defender. You draft a nose tackle again in the third, who might maybe even start over Chris Jones if you really care about your run defense that much. So you have, and then just completely askew the cornerback position whatsoever. Don't resign Steven Nelson. Uh, add Bashad Breland, who was, I mean, just not that not a great addition to that secondary. So you have, yeah. it, it's just, the defense could get better just because they were so bad last year, but in crucial games against good teams with good quarterbacks, they're still going to be bad unless they do something they did the same thing after 2017 though they said it's about run defense Derek Noddy Breland speak they got all these guys that that draft was looking awful also it's not looking great so the last couple drafts the Chiefs have not addressed pass defense all that much we'll see Mm -hmm. if that ends up coming back to bite them Darwin Thompson hey let's finish on a high note for the Chiefs Darwin Thompson good pick good pick in round six the uh explosive running back you know if there's a Mm -hmm. place where somebody's going to make use of those skills it is the Chiefs let's go to the Chargers let me just set the tone Let's. here with the Chargers. The last two years, they've gotten top 10 PFF players on the defensive side of the ball at 17 overall and then 28 overall. So last mm-hmm. year, Derwin James, I think he was number five on our draft board in 2018, and they get him at 17. This year, Jerry Tillery is number seven on our draft board. They get him at 28, and then they circle back this year and get another PFF first-round caliber player, Nasir Adderley. At number 60, one of the best fits in the entire draft. Those first two picks, I think, are as good as any first two picks any team made draft night. Yep. I mean, so that was, uh, I think this was uh, this team, the Chargers, the Cardinals. I'm not sure who else there was that literally their first two picks in this draft were who we would have taken if we were on the clock with yep. them at the same time, which is rare that late. The Cardinals is obvious because it's, oh, the number one overall pick. Uh, is easy. They, there was no real decision. There's not a lot of other people on the board. And then with Byron Murphy staring at them, yes. But to have Jerry Tillery there, we, they go Jerry Tillery, we would have gone Jerry Tillery. To have then Nazir Adderley, I mean, perfect fits for the scheme, perfect for what they need, everything, value, everything. I mean, those tick the boxes perfectly for them. Yeah, Adderley we put in the first round of mocks quite a bit mm-hmm. because he is that true str- uh, free safety. Derwin James is like the in a lab Strong safety creation. Nasir Adderley's pretty close when it comes mm-hmm. to free safety, his ball skills. So they play the cover one scheme, cover three scheme, where you have the true free and the true strong safety. They both fit perfectly. Tillery, I mean, they've needed interior pass rush for quite a while. You were saying he's best best guy on stunts. And they've, got, they've got Bosa. They've got Ingram. Just love how it's all coming together for the Chargers. We enjoy those first two picks. Drew Tranquil, as far as day three picks. Add some skills at line. Like he yeah, could covers. see the field. He's athletic. Yeah, he could I, see he the could field. Start for them at linebacker. A couple nice plays running the seam last year and all that fun stuff. Easton Stick gets into the QB room as a developmental guy. Better runner than passer at this point, but not mm-hmm. bad in the fifth round. So overall, uh, just love the Chargers draft. Yeah, um, draft. The only difference is you know Trey Pipkins. We didn't have a ton of information on him as far as Sioux Falls goes, as far as actual data. Mm-hmm. But that was developmental tackle land. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, something the Chargers needed to add. So uh, just look at all of our coverage on Tillery to get Dude, excited. Yeah, that Chargers draft, you couldn't be more excited about that. They're, they, that draft, and then compared to the Chiefs and the ASC West, you have one needle pointing upward, one needle's pointing downward at the moment, in my opinion. 
Jerry Tillery and uh, Chris Jones Let's pass count. rushing against. Mm. So we've got comps for both of those guys, but pass rushing against Dalton Reisner in the Denver Broncos be fun. a couple times a year. Right guard. Uh, so there you go. That's our AFC recap. We'll do the NFC tomorrow. Maybe we'll do it live again if you guys enjoyed the live broadcast. And then, Mike, the plan on Wednesday, we'll do a little superlative draft recap. Yes. We'll give our top five picks, underrated picks, day three, all that stuff. We'll do yes. all, throw all the superlatives into one monster Wednesday show. So three pods this week. Three pods. We've got a bonus one. Bonus. So you get your AFC today on Monday, NFC tomorrow on Tuesday, Wednesday bonus. Hit all the draft superlatives. We appreciate everybody. We had a record weekend, by the way. Yes. And we just, for as far as people following us on Twitter, being on the website, watching our YouTube stuff, everything about it was just fantastic. People buying PFF Edge and Elite. So we just appreciate everybody for doing that, for being a big part of our draft coverage. Um, it's just taken off since you've been named lead draft analyst. Or whatever. Uh, I mean, I don't think... I don't think it's coincidence, I'll say. So. You, you're already on to 2020. I am. As well. 2020. Right? It's players to watch on the website right now. Yeah, so go to profootballfocus.com. All of the great 2020 coverage, but there's a lot of recap stuff all over profootballfocus.com and the YouTube channel. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again with our NFC preview tomorrow on Tuesday. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.